You are tuned in to the Women of Faith podcast, hosted by award-winning author and transformation coach Nancy Ruffin. The Woman of Faith podcast is where today's woman comes to get her weekly dose of faith, inspiration, and encouragement. If you're ready to elevate your faith, skills, business, and life, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast, the podcast for the woman who wants to grow in her faith and build a deeper relationship with God. I am your host, Nancy Ruffin, and I'm so glad to be back for another week. Thank you for joining me. If you are new to the podcast, make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss an episode and so that you're always one of the first to receive the notifications as soon as a new episode drops. We drop new episodes weekly, every Monday. And if you are new here, we are on episode nine of season one. So that means you have some catching up to do. So make sure when you finish listening to this one, you go back and listen to episodes one through nine. So this week in my Women of Faith Bible study, we have been digging deep into the book of Genesis. And this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It wasn't always because it's a hard it's a hard book to to follow, especially because it really um details you know, the beginning of creation and what happens, you know, throughout that process. And I know that when I first read the book of Genesis last year, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of it. But as I reread it this year in my Bible study with a group of 25 other women, there have been some incredible new revelations that I've discovered, even from the, just from the first, you know, five chapters, like we're five chapters in, and it's just incredible on how much I missed, even in chapter one, like when we're looking at Genesis one, right, and it's the beginning of creation, and it kind of outlines everything that God did, you know, on days one through six, and how intentional and methodical he was. Like, he really thought every single thing out. And not only did he think, like, he was just intentional on how he created things, the order in which he created things, because let me just turn to my Bible real quick. And excuse if you hear the ruffling of pages in the background, but this is me turning to the Bible. But if we look at Genesis 1, even the very first few verses, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the fact that the very first thing that he created was light because he understood 
that there had to be a, a separation or an illumination from the darkness. Because before he created the earth, it was just, it was formless, it was empty, and it was dark. Like that is what this fir- these first three verses tell us. And then it continues to go on, like, again, very methodical, very intentional um, about how he created things, the order that he created them in, you know, and with the creation of light and being able to separate the light from the dark, he then created night and day, right? And he called the light day and he called the darkness night. And so he continues to do this all through, you know, the first few chapters of Genesis. And then we get to his last and best creation, right? Which is man. And we know that he created man from the ground, right? From dust. And not only did he do that, but as he created man and everything in it, like after every creation, he was very explicit in saying that it was good, right? Even when we look at, again, verse three, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. He goes on to create man. Verse 27 tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And so if we know that we are created in the image of God, that in and of itself really speaks volumes of to how God views us. Right. And yet we walk around with this idea of not enough. We're not sufficient, that we are lacking, that somehow we're deficient in something, that we're missing something. And when God created man in his image, right, this verse continues to say he created them male and female. And so this idea that there somehow has to, this idea that God somehow has to only be a man is foolish because what the Bible tells us is that God has both masculine and feminine energy, both masculine and feminine qualities, and so do we. And yet we attach ourselves to these um societal descriptions or roles right that have been assigned based on gender and it's based on what society has dictated to us that we should be so that if you're a man you should be doing x y and z and if you're a woman you should be doing a b and c and that you can never um you know intertwine the two and and i think that we get ourselves so caught up in what society wants us to be, that we lose focus of who God created us to be. And we spend so much of our lives trying to conform to the patterns of the world. We keep trying to mold ourselves to fit certain expectations, to fit certain images. We start to believe the lies of the world instead of believing the truth 
that God has told us from the very beginning. You know, and then if we kind of fast forward to Genesis chapter three, with this is the, the, the chapter that details the fall of man and how the serpent was able to kind of wiggle his way into the Garden of Eden and manipulate Eve into eating from the fruit that God had specifically commanded her not to eat from, right? She was listening to the world, right? To the things of the world instead of listening to God, her creator, God, her father. And because of her and Adam's disobedience, it changed. It fundamentally changed the way God intended this world to be so that as soon as sin entered the world, we were immediately, immediately separated from God, our father. And then we spend so much of our lives, you know, in like separated because we were following the ways of the world and we're trying to conform to a society, you know, that, that is being dictated by fellow man and woman instead of getting ourselves in the word of God and, re- and trying to reestablish that connection, that bond. And we get so lost in the ways of the world that we can't even see the truth of who God says that we are, of who God created us to be. So for this week, this episode, you know, I've titled it Find Your Way Back. Right, and I'm pulling from Beyonce's song, um, from the soundtrack, The Lion King. You know, she has this song where she's talking about finding your way back. And it's, you know, when we think about it in relation to the movie, you know, it's um, when, you know, like Simba, you know, a, a young little lion, um, you know, is following his father around, right? When he's young and he doesn't know any better. But then the minute that he gets, you know, older and he's able to run around on his own and get himself, you know, into trouble because he wants to, again, like be separated from his father and do his own thing, uh, he finds himself in trouble, right? But that ultimately he finds his way back to the kingdom, right? And he, he claims his position uh, as the throne and as the heir, And so for this week, this is what I want us to start thinking about, Um, because the world will confuse you and the world will have you chasing after worldly things that will get you disconnected and separated from God. You know, and the truth is that all of us lose our way sometimes. And so when we return from the break, I'm actually going to talk a little bit uh, about the parable of the prodigal son, you know, and how there's so many great lessons in there for us to kind of uh, heed um, as we navigate our own lives. And we're trying to find our own way back to God and to our creator, um, you know, and why it's so important for us to get into the word of God and get into scripture so that we can really understand who God says we are. Not just understand it, but that we can arm ourselves with the word of God because the world and society is very tempting. And if we're not careful, we will lose ourselves trying to fit in and conform into a world that doesn't really care anything about us. So when we come back, we're going to get right into it. Um, But before I break, I just want to play a little bit of the song 
um, so you can hear a little bit of the lyrics. the women of faith podcast welcome back to segment two if you have not listened to this song is in its entirety i encourage you to do so there's so many great um songs on that lion king um soundtrack and you know i'm a beyonce stan so you know i love her music I think that she has a a way of always tapping into her creativity. She always finds new ways to kind of outdo herself. So it's a little plug for Beyonce. Um, And if you're not a Beyonce fan, um, that's okay. That's your prerogative. Uh, But I wanted to, you know, use this song as the title of this week's podcast because I believe that so many of us, you know, along our own journey through life, um, at some point or another, we lose our way, we lose ourselves. um, And then it isn't until we find ourselves, you know, either rock bottom or just really confused or just really hurt um, that we then, you know, start to look for a way out, of our circumstance and then we start to you know reach for God again and call on God's name and I think that at some point um, we're all looking to find our way back so that we can be restored to who God ultimately created us you know to be and if we're not careful it's really easy for us to make God's out of worldly things, out of material things. Like there are people, you know, who love money and they will do anything, you know, to get money, to keep money. They will lie, cheat and steal, you know, for money. There are others who make gods out of their jobs and their careers. They will give every bit of their mind, body, spirit and soul, you know, to their work oftentimes sacrificing their relationships, their relationships with their family, their own health, their own peace of mind, you know, because they give so much to their jobs and to their careers, or they'll make gods out of titles and status or position, you know, all of these things. And that was never God's intention, you know, for any of us. But because we get so consumed in the world, We allow ourselves um, to become of the world instead of just being in the world um, that we lose our way. And sometimes when we're lost, it's hard to find our way back. If, you know, if all we're surrounding ourselves with are other lost souls, that's why it's so important um, to be intentional about who you keep in your space. You know, who are who are you allowing to be around you? What are you allowing yourself to consume? Like, what are you allowing to get into your head, into your mindset, into your thinking, into your heart? If you're not careful, you know, all of these things are going to be 
infested, you know, with things that are no good for you and you will start to believe the lies of the enemy, you know, and you'll forget the promises that God has made for you. Like this is why we have to read the Bible so that we can hear the word of God and so that we're not deceived by the ways of the world. You know, Adam and Eve, the reason why they were so easily deceived by the serpent is because they were spiritually immature, you know. And so the first, you know, thing crawling that paid them any mind or gave them any attention, they, you know, they gave the serpent an audience. And the minute that they became the serpent's audience, it allowed for the serpent to, you know, preach um, to them falsehoods and things that weren't true. And because they didn't know any better, they chose to believe a stranger, a thing that wasn't even of them. They chose to believe this serpent over God, their father. And, you know, I would encourage you to, you know, spend some time this week thinking about that, right? Who have you allowed to pour lies into you? Who have you allowed to get into your head and distract you and keep you separated from God? And why is it so easy for you to believe the lies of the enemy than it is for you to believe the truths of the God who created you? You know, when I think about my own journey, listen, I was lost. You know, and I can think back even before I realized I was lost and separated from God, but even as a teenager, a young, a young child, you know, growing up, and there were things that my father would always tell me, things that he would always warn me about, but because I believed I knew better than my father, I chose, you know, to go against his rules or his guidelines or his advice. And every time I did that, I always ended up in a mess, right? A mess that I created because I was being disobedient and I wanted to do my own thing. And I thought that I knew better than those who were older than me, those who were more experienced. And that's what happens with so many of us, right? We disobey our parents. And when we do that, we find ourselves sometimes caught up in situations um, that ultimately we need to call our parents to get us out of. And the same is true for our relationship with God. Like He has given us the guidelines, the blueprint, the commandments of the way that we should live our lives, the way that we should walk around this earth. But we believe that we know better than our creator. And so instead of listening right, and following the directions that he has given us, we think that we're going to have better outcomes when we do things our own way. And then when we find ourselves heartbroken, disappointed, betrayed, you know, with nothing, what's the first thing that we do? We get down on our knees and we call out to our father, right? And we say, God, help me. Or God, why is this happening to me? Like that is, that's when we turn to God. When we find ourselves at the lowest of the low, that's when we seek 
to reestablish a relationship with God and God because he is who he is, because he is a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness and a God of grace. He is always there to welcome us back home. No matter how many times we disappoint him, no matter how many times we turn away from him, no matter how many times we do evil and bad in the world, right? He is always, always there. And this is why I wanted to talk a little bit about the parable of the prodigal son, because this is exactly what the son does. And before I kind of get into the message, I just want to read a little bit of the scripture, because in this podcast, it's really important for me to also give you scriptures, not just that for you to go back and read on your own, but scriptures that... um, kind of cement or tie in the message that I'm trying to convey because so everything that we go through today has been going on through the beginning of time and the Bible is proof of that and even though the Bible may be a difficult book to understand especially when you read the King James version if you read it in layman's terms it's just a repeat it's history repeating itself through the ages, through the years, and until uh, we as humanity get our acts together, these things are going to continue on generation to generation. You know, so with um, the parable of the prodigal son, which is in Luke chapter 15, I'm reading from verse 11 through 22 from the NIV version. And it says, Jesus continued. And this is Jesus He's um, saying this parable um, to a group of, I think, believers. Let me just get my notes here. So he tells this parable shortly after a group of Pharisees and scribes complained about how Jesus was fraternizing with tax collectors and sinners, right? So Jesus responds to their criticisms with the parables of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the prodigal son, right? And the purpose of him doing this was so that he could demonstrate his willingness to pursue sinners. And I think that that's a really important uh detail to mention because we are all sinners. Every single person walking on the face of this earth is a sinner. We were born into sin. And because of that, that is why Jesus was sent. And so Jesus has come back to reclaim the sinner, to buy us back from the enemy, to buy us back from Satan, to deliver us from evil. So the parable goes, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. So he was having a good old time. He was just spending his money on chicks, on uh, on alcohol, on like whatever the material items of that day were. He was spending his money on those things. And so after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And since he didn't have any money, he then became a beggar. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country 
who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He was so hungry that in order to satisfy like his hunger, he was willing to eat the pig's food, right? But like no one was giving him anything. And then finally, you know, he thought about it. He was like, wait a minute. My father's servants eat better than this. My father's servants get treated better than this. So he's like, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, dad, I know I have sinned against you and I know I have sinned against heaven. And even though I am no longer worthy to be called your son, just make me one of your servants. Hire me back as one of your servants. So this is what he was thinking, right? Like he knew, he recognized his error. He knew what he had done wrong. And he didn't believe that his father would really take him back and restore him to his position as son. So he says, you know what? I'm just going to go back and beg and just tell him to take me back as one of his servants, right? So he goes back. But while he was still a long way off, his father sees him and he immediately becomes filled with compassion for him, right? And those of you who are listening, who are parents, you know, you know that no matter what your child does, no matter how much they hurt you, no matter how much they disappoint you or how much they betray you, that if they come back and if you see them starving and destitute and in pain or sick, that you're going to have compassion for your child and that you're going to welcome that child back home with open hands. And so this was what he did. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son says to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe for my son and put it on him. Give him my ring, put sandals on his feet. I want you to go out there and kill the fattest calf and cook it and prepare a feast for my son so that we can celebrate because I thought that this son of mine was dead, but he is alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And so this is cause to celebrate. And I'm going to pause here for a minute because this is exactly how God rejoices and how Jesus rejoices when we find our way back to him. When we repent, when we turn away from sin, when we make a conscious decision to follow his ways and to stop following the ways of the world, there is a party in heaven. The heavens are rejoicing. God is rejoicing because the, the child that was lost is now found, right? But meanwhile, while all of this is happening, while the father is rejoicing because his son has come back home and he's preparing to celebrate for him and he's spoiling him, he's giving him all the riches, all the good food, all of that. The other son that has been with him the whole time comes to the house. He hears the music playing. He sees the dancing. So he calls one of the servants and he asks him, What's going on? And the servant says, your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back 
safe and sound. The older brother becomes really angry and refuses to go in. Tantrum anyone? Like, I could just see this now. Like, spoiled brat. All he's thinking about is, oh, you know, my brother got his inheritance. He went out there, he spent it all. And after he spent it all, now he's coming back. Instead of being grateful and rejoicing, just like his father, that his brother has returned home, he gets angry. Right? So he refuses to go in. So his father goes out and pleads with him. But he answered his father. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. When I read that, I I get chills because I'm just so grateful that I serve a God that is that merciful That no matter what I have done in my past life, that he welcomes me with open arms, that he is ready to receive me. And not is he only ready to receive me, but that he is rejoicing in me. And, you know, this is so, so powerful at this time in my life because I just had my, what is it, three-year anniversary Three years anniversary from when I officially gave my life back to Christ. It was June 30th, 2019, a few months before COVID, you know, struck the world and changed everybody's life forever. But it's, you know, a cause of celebration. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to take that step and that in doing so that God really just washed away all of my sin that when I was baptized in that cold water on the Harlem sidewalk, that I became a new creation in Christ. You know, and this parable of the prodigal son is probably one of the best known parables of Jesus because it teaches us a very important life lesson about repentance and redemption. And what it says or what it teaches us is that none of us are too far gone to reestablish a relationship with God. And I don't know where you are on your own faith journey. I don't know what your relationship with God is. Maybe you've been carrying shame. Maybe you've been carrying guilt. Maybe you don't feel like you're worthy to be a child of God because of something that you did in your past. I'm here to remind you that there is nothing that you have done that can keep you from having a relationship with God. But you have to take that first step, just like the prodigal son did, just like he you know, decided that he was going to go back to his father. And even though he was going to go back to his father, he was willing to be a servant. Right. He decided to go back. And when he returned, his father was there waiting for him with open arms. And so you need to know that your father 
is waiting for you with open arms. That it doesn't matter how far you stray from God or how much you squander the gifts that he provides, that he is always delighted when we turn back to him. His unconditional love is waiting for us to return home where he greets us with open arms, ready to celebrate. Every lost child, right, meaning every sinner, meaning every single one of us who is found, who turns to God, is cause for the greatest celebration. So I don't want you to feel like you can never right your wrongs. God has already forgiven you. So it's time for you to start forgiving yourself and to understand that there's nothing that you can do if you repent, if you turn back, if you ask God for forgiveness, that he won't forgive. You know, and and so many of us walk around with shame, shame for things that we've done, shame for things that we've allowed other people to do to us. But none of that is ours to carry. At this time, God wants you to surrender it. He wants you to release it. He wants you to let it go because he wants you to know that he is welcoming you back home. You just have to be able to forgive yourself. And whether you relate to the prodigal son or the good son who had always stayed with him, Right? It's important to, to recognize that there's a role or a responsibility that we must carry out. Right? And if, if you are the prodigal son, right, then maybe you just need to look inside of yourself. Because when you look inside of yourself, that's where you're going to find God. The Holy Spirit is already within you. And you need to start seeing the beauty inside of yourself, even if it's hidden at the moment. You have to see the worth that God sees in you and ask him for forgiveness and welcome him into your heart until you feel what he sees in you, until you feel the worthiness that he has called you to, right? And again, maybe you're, maybe you're not the prodigal son. Maybe you're the one that has always been doing the right thing, the righteous one, the one that follows all the rules, Right. And then um, your sibling or, the, or someone else in your family is returning back and maybe you hold animosity towards them or you're, ha- you, you're holding anger. Right. But if you truly are righteous, if you truly are the good child, then you too have to kind of look within your own heart. Are you happy with how God is treating you on a daily basis? By providing you with food and shelter, a job, a family, his unconditional love, comfort, and grace. And I believe that the answer would be yes for most of us, right? God has given you all you need and more. Like, so you are blessed. And because you are blessed, shouldn't we want those same blessings for our brothers and sisters? Right? So we have to be grateful for those gifts and holding grudges against the prodigal son, whoever that may be in your life, accomplishes nothing more than putting a barrier between you and God, because that's not what God wants for any of us. He wants us to all love each other, to love his children the way he loves his children. 
that's one of the commandments, right? We are to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. First, we are to love God and put him first above. There are no other gods but God. We're supposed to put him first and love him first and then love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And it's important for us to be able to forgive those who have wronged us because one day we might need to be forgiven, right? And we, we will be thankful when God welcomes us back with open arms. And so this is what, you know, I, I want you to kind of take away from this week's podcast when we're talking about finding our way back, right? What does that look like for you? What does it mean to, you know, to really be a child of God and to walk in the way that he wants us to walk and to live the way that he wants us to live and, you know, to forgive others the way we want to be forgiven, It's so easy for us to put ourselves on pedestals um, and to put ourselves on a soapbox because maybe we do everything right and it's hard for us to give grace to other people, but we have to give others the same grace that God has given us. And I just want you to think about how that applies, you know, in your own life. And I'm going to leave you with this scripture from Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. So let that verse carry you through the rest of the week, remembering just how much you are loved, how much you have been forgiven, how much grace God has given you. And whether you're the prodigal son or the good and righteous son, um, remember that we are all called to treat each other with grace. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Woman of Faith podcast. If this episode blessed you, consider supporting us by leaving us a rating, giving us a review, writing a comment, and sharing with your network. And if you feel really moved, you can consider making a financial donation to the link in our episode notes. Until next time, I pray that you are blessed, that you step boldly into what God is calling you to do, and that you never forget that you were created for more.